Hey everybody, it's me, it's Lenora from It's a New Dawn. I am gonna use this recording probably as a uh, holistic um, health and wellness tidbit, but I'm not really sure where it's gonna lead to. So it might come out just as one of my regular podcasts, but either way, it's gonna be a nice thing for you guys to listen to. Uh, I came across this gentleman. His name is Tim Kellis. Did I say that right? Tim Kellis? Okay. He is a renowned Wall Street analyst. Um, He takes on what could be considered society's biggest problem today, which is divorce, sadly. The journey that led him tackling such a significant issue was both personal and professional. After a successful career that eventually landed him on Wall Street, Tim met what he thought was the girl of his dreams, only to see that the relationship ended with bitterness and anger. The journey included work with a marital therapist and after he discovered the therapist wasn't really helping, he decided to tackle the issue himself. So the reason why this may be in in the health and wellness tidbit, I discussed it with him and he approaches this this issue uh, holistically. So I'm very curious, and as all of you know, I don't like really study what's going on with each person I sit with. I like to know about it as I'm sitting here and learning about each person that I sit down with. And as I've said before, whether it's right or wrong, I don't know, but it's worked for me and I've learned so much in the last few months. It's wonderful. So before we get started, I do want to invite you all to subscribe to my podcast. It would really help me out. It's a new dawn. Um, I'm on YouTube. All the links are going to be below. So my YouTube link, my podcast link. Um, So if you can support me, I'd really appreciate it. Comments are welcome. Likes are welcome. Sharing is welcome. Constructive feeding, uh, constructive criticism would be greatly appreciated. Also, I also leave my Google number for those who wanna reach out to me in the show notes. Um, But on that note, I'm gonna turn the camera over to you, Tim. Let me know your, I'm very curious to hear about this. So let me know. Well, obviously it's a very hot topic of conversation in our society today. Uh, You know, the way I like to begin this conversation is the fact that we do have a 50% divorce rate. You know, we have a 50, 50% of people who come together and declare for better or worse, don't make it. And that to me is the question that I have been looking to answer is why is that? In fact, if you think about it, if we have 50% of our cars failing or 50% of our phones or TVs failing, our society would come to a crashing halt. But we just take it for granted that half of our relationships are going to fail. And so what I've done is I've solved the marriage problem. And what I mean by that, this is the whole holistic thought process, is I address marriages mentally. And believe it or not, that's never happened before. If you've ever read any relationship books, a vast majority, if not all of them, are behavioral based. They give behavioral advice. And one of the the illogical things that I find interesting about those approaches or that approach is to suggest that somebody behave in a way that they're not naturally and comfortably doing to begin with doesn't make a lot of sense. In fact, one of the big things I get into is what causes behavior. And this is a question that the psychology industry has been asking for 100 years, but because of Freud's biology theory, they still are studying animals to figure out or try and figure out human behavior. They've not yet answered it mentally. And the reality Mm -hmm. is, is that the reason why we behave, what motivates our behavior is our character traits, which are our belief system. And what's interesting about them is our character traits are actually unconscious. So for example, I, I am a nice guy. That is true, I'm a nice guy, but I don't walk around thinking to myself, I'm a nice guy, that's actually an unconscious belief. But my behavior is subsequent to that. So I uh, speak nicely, open doors, compliment, I do the nice things I do. But what's so interesting about 
when you try and uncover the problems in relationships is the negative beliefs. So for example, if your parents got divorced, as it turns out, the most significant aspect of a, of a relationship is the relationship with your parents. Because that's where you first learn about love is from your parents. So again, your parents got divorced. That's now a belief system that you have about marriage and love. Okay. And as it turns out, our mental troubles, our mental issues are prejudices. So if your parents got divorced, you have a prejudice, which is a preconceived opinion about a subject that you haven't thought about. What's so interesting about the notion of prejudice is we've gone through so much learning in the last 200 years in our experiment called democracy about the notion of prejudices. We are very familiar with our social prejudices. You know, we're going through them right now. You know, the civil rights movement, slavery, the vote for women, all of these social issues are analogous to, the, to what I call relationship prejudices. But at the end of the day, all I am doing with couples at the end of the day is conflict resolution, okay? How do you solve the marriage problem unless you solve the marriage problems? So the key, in fact, here's, Lenore, here's one of my big reveals. You'll like this, you'll find this kind of humorous because it's so simple. Okay. So the reason why relationships are successful is because couples get along. The reason why relationships are unsuccessful is because couples don't get along. It's really that simple. And what makes the topic of conflict resolution so interesting is there is one and only one person in your life who is supposed to have the same goals as you. Not your kids, not your parents, not your siblings, not your friends, not your coworkers, only one, and that is your spouse. Because ultimately, when I say I've solved the marriage problem, again, this is the holistic point, is the solution to the problem is equality. One of the things that an engineer is taught to do is look at what has changed to cause a problem. And so if you look back and understand his, historically, okay, up until the 60s, open the front page of your Bible. And the first thing, we're not getting a religious conversation, but open the front page of your Bible. And what is the very first thing or one of the first things you see in the Bible? The wife will obey her husband. It's called patriarchy, mm. which is the man mm -hmm. who's in charge. Mm -hmm. So what has changed is the education of women. So it's starting in the 60s. In 1970, less than 1% of all law and medical degrees went to women. By 1990, that number was over half. Mm -hmm. Obviously, mm -hmm. women are just as educated as men are. But what that means, fundamentally, is for the first time in the history of civilization, women could work. So women now are in a financial position where they don't have to play a subordinate role in their marriage. And so mm -hmm. if couples were to only learn the concept of mental equality, okay, where for when it, when it comes to conflict resolution, where nobody can make a decision without the agreement with their partner. That's equality. If you and I, Lenora, are business partners, okay, and you and I mm -hmm. have some issue that we're trying to solve, you know, let's, let's market our business, okay? How are we going to do that unless you and I both have an equal say? Neither of us would appreciate right. being partners if you were going to tell me what to do or if I'm going to tell you what to do. So the right, notion correct. of equality is the solution that we're looking for, okay? And when I get into mental equality, that's where both get to share. What happens in the mind is we all know if we were to think about is we think and we feel, okay? Now, this is a fact, okay? If you look at the history of the relationship between the man and the woman, is the man was responsible for the logic side of the relationship. He's the one that controlled the finances and he's the one that was responsible for the thinking side. The woman, on the other hand, was the emotional one. She was the one that raised the kids and kept the house in order. So she was responsible for the emotional side. And what we're trying to do now is we're trying to figure out where men and women can both come together and both be able to think and feel in the relationship. And then the other aspect of conflict resolution, which is so critical to understand, 
Okay. The way I explain this is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, when most of us see that quote, we look at the pursuit of happiness part. But what I do is I break down life and liberty. Life is a moral concept. Morality is taught to us by the church. All life is precious. Okay. When it comes to relationships, morality is empathy. And empathy is understanding your partner's feelings. Liberty is a political concept, okay? And obviously, we are trying to learn politically the notion of equality. And when it comes to relationships, equality is respect, and respect are your partner's thoughts. How do you and I solve this marketing problem unless you take my side into consideration and I take your side into consideration? We can't. We have to understand each other's perspective. In fact, did you ever read the book To Kill a Mockingbird when you were a kid? Yeah. Yes, okay. Have. Well, there's one line in that book that I remember reading. It's, if you want to understand a man, you have to walk in his shoes. And that I remember reading that thinking, wow, that's profound. And I use that every day in my life. In fact, one of the things I've learned personally is I no longer get angry at slow drivers. Because one of the things that I've realized in practicing this empathy and respect is that everybody on the road is driving someplace. They yeah, may just be going right. at different speeds than you. And so mm -hmm. when you could look at some, something from your partner's perspective, then you're able to solve problems. But when you can't, this is when we start getting into, into what we should be learning about psychology. And again, this is where you get into the holistic spirituality forgiveness stuff. Is I, In fact, I break down an argument into its, its base components. What leads to an argument? Because understanding is the first step in solving. And so the reality is, is there's a process that we go through mentally, which causes us to be angry. And that steps is the first step is an insecurity. Again, your mom and dad got divorced. You now have a fear of divorce in your marriage. So what you've done is you've now developed a prejudice, which is, again, a preconceived opinion. That prejudice leads to being judgmental about your partner because of your fear of what your partner might do that might end up being the same result as what happened with your parents' marriage. And then it leads you to being angry. And so ultimately what I'm explaining is, is that fear leads to anger. And so if couples were to only understand that, when somebody gets mad at you, okay, Dang it, Lenora, you are a, and, and when I am expressing anger, okay, the reason why that, particularly what's so interesting about conflicts and relationships is, especially at the beginning, I know relationships, when they start degrading, this not, is not the case, but when the relationship is going in the right place, neither you or I are ever trying to upset each other. I'm not trying to do something on purpose to upset you. Yet when a partner gets mad at their other partner, if, they are, if their partner's doing the right things, then it's not what the partner's doing. It's the fear of what the partner's doing that might result in what the, the one person saw in their past. And so again, I'm going to get mad at you because you're not giving me the, the, I don't know, affection or whatever, because I'm afraid of us getting divorced. And the reality is, is unfortunately, the way that the mind works is if you fear it, it will happen. If I'm afraid of getting divorced so much so that I'm judgmental and angry at my partner for fear that she's not going to comply with me in this need to control the relationship, that I introduce all this negative judgmental and anger into the marriage, we get divorced. So what I'm afraid mm -hmm. of actually happened. And that's mm -hmm. why it's so important. I, I definitely believe that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely. what I mean. This is, this is all this. I mean, thoughts and actions, thoughts and actions shape your reality. Like the more you think about it, um, you know, and I am here, everybody, for those who are on the podcast platforms and on YouTube, I'm just listening. So I'm observing and, and absorbing all the information, but I am here. So go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the point is, is if you, what, what I ultimately teach couples is to take on the world instead of each other. Okay, if you were to canvas couples in this country, particularly those couples that are not doing so well, I, I won't say 100% of them, because there's always exceptions to the rules, but I would say pretty close to 100% of them, the problem is control. One or both are trying to control the marriage. Again, inequality, 
In fact, what's so interesting, if you think about the concept of equality, this is one of the things I ask in my seminar, what word comes to mind when you think of the concept of equality? And the answer that I give to the people listening is freedom. Okay, if you build your marriage based on equality, you both have the freedom to grow as you're supposed to be growing. So if equality is freedom, what is inequality? Lack of freedom. So when one or both are trying to control the relationship, what they're basically doing is they're taking away freedom from their partner. Okay. And in fact, as you know, most marriages, you can get in trouble over anything. There's no structure to our marriages today. One of the things I teach in, uh, with couples is the concept of common sense, which is the answer. If I could take the subjectivity of the individual out of the relationship, not only can I solve every problem in the marriage, but you will also realize that those solutions are fairly simple. Okay, so let me give you an example. Okay, I had a girl tell me once that her father never showed her any affection. So let's explore that concept for a second. Okay, the first thought, again, up until the 60s, my dad was the oldest boy of 15. Okay, and I've got double digit families all the way back to the early 1800s and probably before then, but that's the farthest back I go. So the point is, is up until the Industrial Revolution, we were all living on farms and the goal from the father's perspective was to get as many farmhands as possible. The mothers, on the other hand, built the bond up with their kids. So if you lost a child, the father didn't develop any affection to the, towards their kids because they, they didn't look at them like we do today. Mm -hmm. you know, we now develop bonds with our children. But the point is, is before the 60s and before this new age where we're all supposed to be more aware of how to think and feel in our relationships, men did not feel towards their children. Okay. And most men didn't create an emotional bond with their kids. So when this girl tells me that her father never said he loved her, the first thought is when you look at it from his perspective, you can understand why. That's why empathy and respect is such a critical concept to understanding how to make a relationship work. But well, isn't second, that the same as, um, you know, I've heard this in therapy before. Look at where your parents came from before you, you know, as far as forgiveness for my parents or that's changed me. It was a game changer is to find out really what happened to my parents and why they were the way they were. The That's only, sort of what you mean. The only reason why I am able to go public with a message of solving the marriage problem, the only reason why I'm able to do this, you could take away my engineering degree, you could take away my Wall Street experience, is because I forgave my parents when I was 25. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, when it first happened to me, I thought, well, that must be something everybody goes through. Yes, I assumed, and we know what assumed stands for, but I assumed Don't that make that's... an ass out of you and me. <laughs> Come on exactly. now. Exactly. Well, out of me. So, so just Actually, ask me. I'll take learned... the you. I'll yeah, take the you out that. of this. So just ask from, me. Uh, <laughs> I learned that from uh, Saturday Night Live. <laughs> so, the, so the point, so the point is, is, um, I went through that experience and not only did I realize that not only do most people not go through that experience, but that turns out to be the first step in mental development as an adult, because as it turns out, we are supposed to be born twice. The first is obvious, our physical birth. But our mental birth doesn't happen until we're born into adulthood. And that doesn't happen until we separate, particularly the negative bonds from childhood. In fact, just to give you this notion of forgiveness, I have a mentor of mine. In fact, we're setting up a, a marriage um, a, a intensive for the 21st of November. And we just got done with an organization call and he was on the call as well. This guy is actually deciphering the oldest Bible in existence that was written in Aramaic. Jesus spoke Aramaic. He didn't speak English. In fact, one of the things that this guy discovered is there's, and quite honestly, again, we're not having a religious conversation, but there's a lot of mistakes that have happened throughout the, the history of translations in the Bible. 
And one of the mistakes is when they translated forgiveness from the Aramaic, from what Jesus actually said, to the Greek version. In the Greek version, forgiveness is pardoning. Okay, so if you do something wrong to me, Lenora, I'm going to pardon you. Mm -hmm, Why mm -hmm. that never works is I still have the negative energy inside of me for whatever I perceive as you did that was wrong to me. What Jesus actually said, though, was that forgiveness is to, to cancel. The only way I could truly forgive is to cancel those negative feelings. So when I forgave my parents, I, I canceled my negative feelings towards them and they're, they're gone. In fact, what's so interesting about that experience is what I learned afterwards. And what I learned after, because my parents destroyed my childhood. I had the whole litany of arguments and things that they did that ruined my childhood. And when I forgave them, what I realized, number one, is from their perspective, like you just said. Okay, looking at it from their perspective. But number two, what I realized is that they did the best that they could and that I'm a good person. Mm -hmm. A balanced ego is not when you're better than anybody else. A balanced ego is when you are better than you used to be. That turns out to be the million dollar question that we quite honestly have been working on since Adam and Eve discovered they were naked and the ego was born. On how to balance the ego. And what I mean by that is if you are using anybody else's data points to define you, you do not have a balanced ego. Okay. The reality, and you were kind of uh, talking about this earlier, is you, Lenora, cannot upset me. I can let you upset me. Because remember, I'm the conscience in between whatever I perceive as your behavior to my conclusion on what that means to me. And when you have a balanced ego, you don't let other people define you. You can yell at me all you want. You can say all kinds of nasty things about me, but that will not impact me. Okay. And that's why when you get into marriages that are not working so well, as we all know who've done any research at, at all, you have to be happy with yourself first before you can have a success. You're shaking your head. Of course, this is not, not new <laughs> revelations here. And because what that means is, that, yeah. If I'm not happy with myself, then I require you to make up for that. And that's where control comes from. Because what couples are supposed to be doing, okay, the foundation of love is vulnerability. And vulnerability is the fear of getting hurt. And what's so interesting about when couples first meet, they do what I call character research. Where are you from? I grew up here. I went to school. I got siblings. This background stuff, all this upbringing stuff. But what the psychology world has, has labeled as the false facade, because I'm going to put my best foot forward, as I should. I'm trying to impress her, and she's trying to impress me. We both put our best foot forward. The challenge comes in, though, in setting up an environment in a marriage to where both in the marriage are comfortable revealing those things that they're not so proud of. You know, let me give you my example, and I'm not embarrassed to say this at all, but my mom spanked us when we were growing up. A lot of people in my generation, that was the case. But if I were to think that my partner would judge me by telling her that, then I can't bring that up. And then that all of a sudden becomes a component to the marriage that is not discussed. You mm -hmm. have to solve every problem in your marriage or else you develop what are called psychic lesions. And psych psychic lesions are holes in mental development. So for example, if there's one in a marriage who has trouble with intimacy, okay? And every time they bring that up, intimacy, by the way, is the icing on the cake. One of my big reveals that I talk about in my seminar is infidelity is not the cause of problems in relationship. Infidelity is the result of problems in relationships. 
And so one of the causes of that is intimacy is a problem. So if one gets angry anytime intimacy is brought up, they quit bringing it up. And then all of a sudden, that's a topic that can never be spoken about. Because every time it's come up, it leads to an argument. When couples are done working with me, what they ultimately get is the gift is I teach couples how to be as comfortable talking about intimacy as they are the grocery list. And if you're able to talk about that, just like you're able to communicate about any other aspects of your marriage, intimacy is the icing on the cake. And just so you know, intimacy is not just the, the, the sex. Intimacy is holding hands, brushing your hands through his or her hair, you know, words of affection. Intimacy is so many different things. But unfortunately, and I do point this finger directly at Freud, because Freud come out and inaccurately said that our motivations are sexually driven. He discovered that sex sells, which is why the industry still follows him, that we are now a sexually focused culture. One of my objectives, by the way, Lenore, have you ever heard of Carl Jung? Yes. And your smile says everything. 20% of my book is a summary of his autobiography, Mm -hmm. which I read nine times before I was able to summarize it for my book. Well, you get something something out of it every time you read. Every time you read it. Every time you get something new and a new perspective. And for those of your audience who are not uh, familiar with Carl Jung, Carl Jung was 19 years younger than Freud. Freud looked up to Jung so much that he considered him not only his heir apparent, but also his son. And let me just say that Jung disagreed with Freud's sexuality theory. And Jung went much further than Freud did in realizing how the mind works. Jung cured schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. Now, if you were to talk to a traditional psychologist, they would tell you that schizophrenia is a biological disease. And Jung disproved that. And quite honestly, because he disproved the biology theory, that's one of the reasons why he's been discounted by traditional Freudian therapists. But we have been a sex-driven culture now. And for those of you that have ever done it for the right reasons, you're not having sex, but you're making love. That's why they call it making love. Because Mm -hmm. the reality is, is that relationships are supposed to be mental experiences. Okay, and if you if anybody's ever fallen in love, they know what I'm talking about. I'm not out there to do the physical act. I'm out there to mentally connect with somebody else our task this comes from a course in miracles our task is not to seek love but to seek all of the barriers that we have built against it Mm -hmm. and that's why when you realize that arguments and conflicts are actually when understood where the source of the anger comes from is actually an opportunity for growth because what you're supposed to be doing in a marriage is opening up your soul to letting somebody else in. That's vulnerability. Vulnerability is not a weakness. Vulnerability is actually our greatest source of courage Mm -hmm. because it takes courage to be able to open up all your shadows, as Jung called them, and to be able to reveal your shadows to your partner. Because the reality is you bring your shadows into the marriage and you actually inherit your partner's shadows. And these shadows follow you into the marriage unless they either, what the goal is in in a relationship is to make conscious what is unconscious or else it appears is fate. That's another famous young quote. And what he means by that is If I'm afraid of intimacy in a relationship and I don't bring it up and we don't discuss it and we don't solve it, but I use it as my negative motivation for being angry and judgmental. And remember, these are unconscious people. When you when you said that your therapist told you about how important your parents relationship was in your own personal journey, you you are aware of that beforehand. Before I forgave my parents, I could literally discuss for for a long time about all the things my parents did. It was unconscious. I was not aware of what that meant in my relationship or the way that I perceived the world. But until you bring it conscious, it it, it appears as fake. So unless I can talk about intimacy with my partners, eventually intimacy becomes a problem. 
Okay, mm -hmm. that's why it's so important to understand how couples are supposed to come together and to grow together. Because obviously the, grow, the goal is for two to be able to grow together. Right. And that is such an important element in a marriage. Okay, and ultimately what I teach people, Lenora, is that the most important person in your life is the one you sleep next to every night. And when you put it on your list of priorities, nothing else is superior to your spouse in your marriage. And ultimately what I mean by that, we're in a throwaway culture today. Okay, you and your partner aren't getting along, get divorced. There's no social consequences in our culture today for divorce. Nobody will look down at you negatively. There's nobody, although don't you find it interesting that whenever anybody says we got divorced, their answers because we didn't, you know, just didn't work out. That's as far as anybody has, or the other one is we're from different planets, which is one that really gets me. I've discovered that men and women are actually from the same planet, by the way. That book has done more damage to our culture of marriage than anything in the public domain because it's used as an excuse when couples don't get along. But it also shows you how little has actually been done. The latest is five love languages, again, behavioral advice. Now, what the five love languages does is it first, it's probably the only book that starts, you know, mainstream relationship book that starts to get couples thinking about their partner, but it doesn't solve the problem. In fact, you're still going to argue if you're still not getting along. Understanding each other's love languages doesn't get you there, but it's the first step in getting people who read the book to open up to their partners. But I take it to the final, you know, empathy and respect, understanding why we get angry so that we can solve the source of the anger. One of the books that I read is called There's No One to Blame. So when couples, if they were to think this through, they would realize that no one's to blame. Okay, not only do you and your partner aren't the cause of the problems, but no, neither is your parents because they had their parents and then their parents. You know, we learned and, and, you know, this is why, you know, for example, alcoholism is not a hereditary disease. It's not a biological, oh, I'm sorry, it's not a biological disease. It's a psychological disease, if you want to look at it that way, because you learn psychologically from your parents. And what we have to learn, this is whole, the whole age of spirituality. You know, Carl Jung is the one that, that, that promoted the concept of age of Aquarius, which means that we're in this new age of spirituality. And I know there are some people, because of the image of the 60s flower children getting stoned and having free sex and all this stuff, there's a negative connotation in the mainstream. But we're you know, becoming more and more mature in understanding spirituality, by the way, all spirituality is is your relationship with yourself. That's all it means. And so we're, we're on this new age. The age of Pisces just ended in 2000. And now we're on this new age of Aquarius. And so you can either embrace this notion of mental development and getting to know yourself and becoming friends with yourself, or you could fight it. They call them the walking dead. One of the problems with spirituality is there's a chicken or an egg. You have to be enlightened first before you're enlightened and understanding what that meant to you. Before I forgave my parents, I didn't know what this, any of that stuff meant. But now that I've mm -hmm. let go and let God, as they say, now that I've let go of all that anger, I know what it means to be enlightened. But so many people in our culture today are basically living unconsciously. In fact, one of the things that I do is I make marriages conscious. Because most couples, because until my message, there's no message out there to teach couples how to to work, how to be successful, that couples don't know what they're doing and they're basically blindly, you know, trying to work their way into their marriage and they're not really given the, the education that they need to have in order to have a successful marriage. How did you become this expert though, Tim? That, that's my question. How, <laughs> do you actually have people sit down with you and do sessions with them and well, I start off with a, it's a free two hour seminar and I go through basically what I just went through here today. And I have basically a lot more detail. And then after that, it's basically a, a two month weekly workshop to where I basically work them through my book and get them through it. Because what I use in my book are examples throughout history as analogies and relationships. OK, so you so, got you got all your information for your book from 100 books. Tell me. What? 100, 100 books went into the research on my book. 
a hundred books. So you've it's, read a hundred books and then. It's probably the can... only book that has ever been written that has a Martin Luther King section right next to a Hitler section. In my prejudice. I get that. I get that though. Some people but, might not, but I get why you would have that. Well, well um, it's, it's the bright side of prejudice and the, and the dark side of prejudice is this right. memoir that I've discovered. I'll be short on this, but this memoir that I've discovered, it's called uh, I Shall Bear Witness. And it's Victor Klimper and his wife, Eva, surviving Dresden, Germany uh, in, during World War II. They lived in public. And the point that I make in that section is what you'll realize is that in unsuccessful relationships, it's, I call it death by a thousand swords. Okay. Infidelity is, is the end of the road. But what gets people to where infidelity is, it becomes unfortunate uh, occurrence in their relationship is all the things that led up to that. It's the control issue. Right. I'm going to take little pieces away from my partner. Okay. Let me give you an example. And I really don't like bringing up personal stuff, but I'm just going to give you one example because you'll understand it. But the girl that led to me writing the book, and again, this is not judging or, or pointing the finger or the other. She didn't like my music. Okay, I have like 500 songs individually selected on my iPhone right now that I love alternative rock. I've always loved a big U2 fan, Dave Matthews fan, but because she didn't like alternative rock, she was a jazz fan. She never allowed me to listen to my music when I was with her. One of the things that I got back when our relationship ended was my music. But what I'm doing in this story of Victor Klimper and his wife is I'm showing all the little things that Hitler did when he took away all the, it, it, it didn't happen in one day. It happened a little bit at a time. You know, the, the, the final solution was in the last couple of years of the war. Before that, they lost, he lost his right to, to, he was a professor, lost his right to teach, you know, lost his job. They could only shop for an hour during the day. You know, all of their civil liberties were taken away from them. And that's exactly what happens in a negative relationship where one or both is trying to control the other. That's why when couples in those type of relationships, those relationships in, they get themselves back. When they discover the, the subjective sacrifices that they've had to make in order to appease their partner who they don't realize is both trying to control them and they also don't understand why their partner's trying to control them. To define a problem without discussing a solution is being judgmental. And you'll find virtually every relationship that's been written by a professional talk about the power concept, but none of them ever solve it. None of them ever talk about what do you do about control? That's what I do. I eliminate the power drive. I eliminate the need for control in marriages. And once that control is eliminated, okay, where e equality, when there's equality, there's no superiority. Equality affords no temptation for abuse or control. If people were to only realize how calm their marriage could be, if neither of them has to control the marriage, they'll realize the Holy Grail, the mountaintop. Mm. This is the objective. This is what we have been working on for the last 60 years. We've had a 50% divorce rate since the 60s, when again, women first questioned their subordinate role. And I'm the one that's out there to solve the problem. I am going to lower the divorce rate in this country. That is my business plan. And I've been working on this for 19 years in, in total. I've put more effort in understanding relationships from a mental perspective. I could say safely say than probably anybody. In trying to solve this problem. Again, engineering degree, MBA, Wall Street analyst. Okay. <laughs> I'm the most analyst person you may ever meet. I'm very analytical. But it's about time, don't you think? You know, you said the word yeah. ass, so I'll say another word. Don't you think it's about damn time? That yeah. some, you know, the, the, the motivation for me doing this, Lenora, I'm on multiple, multiple marriage groups on Facebook. 
In fact, my own, I've got my own marriage support group with 1,600 members on it. Every day I read with an unbelievable amount of pain on individuals whose marriages are ending. And it's, it's, it's just this unbelievable pain that you, you, you can feel in reading the words of these people whose marriages are ending. And there's nothing they can do about it. They're lost. Nobody's giving them any guidance. There's nothing out there to help couples stay together. In fact, I had, a, I had a therapist once that showed me her business card. Her business card said she was a marriage and divorce therapist. So, so make up your mind. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. And, you know, I'm married 34 years, um, October So 5th. you could relate to a lot of this. Oh, I relate. I mean, hard work. Hard work. I've been through lots of therapy, lots of ups and downs, lots of I'm leaving, staying, you know, now when you talk about, I think we found the answer, whatever you're talking about, we found, but it took us a long time. And it's very easy for people to just throw in a towel, for sure. That's why I was like back and forth with you. I didn't know if I should have you on because I was like, I don't know, it's not really what I talk about. But listen, it, there are some marriages that are just not meant to be together. I have to say that, right? Okay, can I, I mean, respond to that? Go ahead. You respond okay. to that because it was. I know. Let me just, I'll be quick. The first response is what I would guess, because I don't want to speak for you, that you and your husband discovered is that the easiest marriage is the easiest one. And the other thing is I will, I will debate you about what you just said. And the, and the point that I would make would be if two people fell in love for the right reasons at the beginning, then that marriage can be saved. Okay. okay? But because what if, some, fair, that's fair. But what about other circumstances? I mean, sometimes it just, it's just not salvageable. I believe, I don't know, um, you know, there may be different circumstances. Well, like but this is where, this, again, like that, that is. What you just said, I hear all the time, is there are relationships or marriages that, that are not salvageable. And what I'm explaining to you is they are. Okay, when you realize, because again, here's the point. When I say I eliminate arguments, okay, a partner gets mad at their other partner. Okay, if, the, if, if one of the two that's not the angry one could only learn, what are you afraid of? Because the reality is that one of the concepts of physics, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So right. if one gets angry at the other, what's the other one going to do? Okay, Equally, it, that's the point, is it does this, it elevates. Okay, and now what you're saying is this point where, in fact, <clears throat> one of the groups that I'm on is healing from narcissistic relationships. The other one is physical abuse. And I'm not saying that if there's physical abuse, one of the things that I explained in my, in, my, in my seminar is if one of your partners behaves illegally. So if I go out and rob a bank and I'm going to spend the next five years in prison, you have every right to get angry at me. If you behave immorally, okay, these things, but these are after the fact. The goal that all I'm talking about here, Lauren, and you're listening to this whole conversation, all, all people that are listening to me are, are experiencing is education. We need to learn about successful relationships and successful marriages before the problems are there. In fact, my ideal couple, I recognize in today's culture, we wait until the worst point in a marriage to get help, which is when they're on the verge of divorce. My best couple, it's just, we're not here yet for people realizing that I'm here, but my best couple are engaged couples. Because if I could teach them the skills that I've just elaborated on here with you, before they become a part of the marriage, then their marriage is always going in the right direction. But there's nobody out there teaching this yet to couples. And so couples go it alone. That's what you and your husband did. You guys went alone. You guys were like blind, leading a blind and trying to figure out what to happen with this psychological dynamics that goes on between two people. And when you realize that a lot of times there are projections from your past that causes your anxieties, and until you cancel out those projections through forgiveness, you're always going to have those anxieties in your marriage. But once you cancel out those, which 
Sounds like it's what, one of the things that you've learned in therapy. Those are no longer your anxieties. Those are no longer motivators in your marriage. And, and again, the easiest marriage is the easiest one, but you got to go through all that psychological healing from all those, all the baggage. You ever heard the concept of baggage, right? Mm -hmm. That's what baggage is. Baggage is defined as these negative lessons you have from your past that you're now bringing in the marriage and you're afraid of them happening in your marriage. So you basically introduce those as concepts in your marriage that you don't want to have happen. So you you need to control the, that aspect of your marriage. And then all of a sudden that becomes fake. Mm-hmm. What is your what is your success rate as far as um, couples coming to see you? What you would say? Every couple I work with. Every How many couple couples you work with? What? <laughs> you have many couples have you worked with? Hundreds? Mm. It's it's not hundreds, but it's 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 getting there. It's okay, getting there. you I've do worked, it over. You... It, but I'm getting more. more and where are you? Where are you at, Tim? Like uh, I'm in Delray Beach, Florida. Okay, so do they come to you or do you do Zoom? What, Zoom. what is it? <laughs> Zoom well, is a godsend. I mean, well, now, right. So it's, uh, and then are you, can I ask you if you're married or? I have a very significant person, who, a girl in my life who's the motivation for me doing this. You know, okay. I don't talk about her. She's asked me not to include her in the conversation. Oh, all right, that's and I do fine. Stuff, so I don't, I don't really talk about her, but, but she's my motivation for, for, you know, finally coming out and, and you know, putting everything I need to, to finally get my, out and, and, and build a public, a, a public platform. Because that's what I'm great. doing is I'm out to build a public platform. That's awesome. And this is great because being on podcasts is a great way to spread the message. And uh, is there any last words of wisdom or parting words you want to leave the audience with? Well, Lenora, first of all, thank you. And I know it's kind of a stretch in your, you know, what, what you normally do, but no, hopefully, no, no. you know, okay. you know reveal this is actually holistic and, you know, helpful for people that are looking for your message and adding. I did not want to stop you because you're very, I, I, I'm very quiet and people aren't used to that because I'm always getting, butting in and asking questions, but I actually did want to listen and absorb. And that's why you didn't hear me too much on, and I want to stop your flow. It's obviously your passion. Yeah, Seems like your so. dharma, your dharma life calling. So that's fine. So leave us it's, with some beautiful parting words. Will you, Tim? It's, it, it's my fate and my parting words. Just get along. Just, just get yeah. along. Keep your conversations on the level of disagreements. Martin Luther King called it civil disobedience. You could, you, could, you could disagree over anything as long as you're civil about it. And when you understand the background that's causing your anxieties to go from, from logical to emotional, then you could bring that back down on logical and still talk about the emotions, but do it from a logical perspective. Um, so just get along. That's, we need to understand right, that you. the we most important- need to get along. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I mean. This relationship is the easiest one. Just you know, get along. It's a lot easier to get along than it is to not. But what that does is it makes you prioritize what's important to you. You shouldn't be able to get angry over anything. This notion that I can get mad at you because you come home late from work, that's just, that just, it doesn't make any, it doesn't pass the logical sniff test. Particularly when you realize that the most important aspect of your life is that person that you sleep next to every night. Not your job, not your house, not your cars, not even your kids, slow, lightly below that, but not even your kids or your friends. Nobody else is more important than, than that person that you've committed your life to. We need to, Aren't we All the most important person though? Pardon me? Myself is the most important person well, to me. Yeah, yeah, obviously yourself. But when, you, when you're happy with yourself, which is what you're basically saying, then your marriage is going to be a successful one. But you're and right. That's, you're why right. Our, that's why our marriage did work in the end with all the therapy. I ended up loving myself. So yeah, and it takes work, people. It really does. But, yeah, but it is worth elevate, it. If we elevate the priority of marriage to where it should be in our lives, that lowers the anxieties in many marriages, as opposed to more other things are important. Uh, you know, your, your parents are, are in the middle of your marriage and you're taking their side versus your spouse's side. I'm dealing with that right now with somebody else that I'm working with. Mm -hmm. and, and they need to realize that the parents aren't more important than my spouse. Mm. Or, or yeah, I agree else. with I agree with that for sure. Um, where can people get in touch with you? Uh, I will have all this information in the show notes. So, where where do you have like a website with all of your links on there? 
Well, Tim Kellis at happyrelationships.com is my email address. And relationships is plural. Tim Kellis at happyrelationships.com. And quite honestly, the way I'm staying connected with people is on my Facebook marriage support group. So all you have to do is go to Facebook and search the marriage support group. There's a picture of a couple kissing and, and join my group. And that's when I've got like 1600 members on there now, but it's been growing, you know, pretty significantly on a, on a weekly basis. So, you know, my, my objective is to build an, a, 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 a safe and pr private environment in that group for people to come and learn how to the ways of improving their marriage. That's great, Tim. Thank you so much. Just hang out for one second. Guys, again, please support me. Please uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel. It's a new dawn. I'm on every major platform, uh, Apple, Spotify, uh, Anchor, uh, and there are others. Uh, if you could write a review, share, uh, five likes if you can. And also you can give me feedback on my Google number. All my information will be in the show notes, as usual, my website, um, the links to the YouTube and the podcast. I would love for you to support me with the Roar Bar. Roar Bar is the only packaged good I eat uh, owned by Jake and Rachel. The bars are organic. They are vegan, although I'm not vegan, but they fit every diet. Very high in protein. Protein per bar is 18 to 22 grams per bar. They are, have 11 to 13 net carbs. No artificial sweeteners in this bar. Put together with coconut oil, which is really good for your brain, everybody. Uh, coconut nectar, blackstrap molasses, a little bit of Himalaya salt. The most important part of this whole piece is though that 10% of all their net proceeds go to feed the hungry children worldwide. If you go to their website, you will see them in action. They are beautiful, beautiful people. You can support me and them. They do not sponsor me. I'm an affiliate and an ambassador, but my link, my affiliate link is below. If you use that link, it will help me a little bit. It will help them and I appreciate it. And on that note, thank you, Tim, for joining me. I have not decided where I'm going to put this episode. I'm not sure if I'll do it in my regular show or health and wellness tidbit. I'll decide. And either way, it's going to be on. So thank you so much for joining. Have a wonderful and blessed day, everybody. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, too, Lenore. I appreciate it. And everybody have a blessed day. You're welcome.